All right, let's give it up for the band leading us in worship. We want to welcome our online people. Can we give them a round of applause? If they are watching this, they are extremely confused right now. It's like, did it glitch? Did it glitch? t is getting a text right now. Hey, the stream's off. It just introduced himself twice. Anyway, um, we started a new series last week. I, I'm, I'm kind of in love with this one. I got to be honest with you. Called Villains. 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 We all have villains in our lives. And last week we looked at a, one that was a little known. A lot of people were like, I've never heard that story before. Sennacherib, old Sennacherib. And this week we got a good one, Judas. Let's all say it together on three. One, two, three, Judas. Yeah, hold that S out, man, because he's a snake. That's what he is. And um, before I get going today though, I was thinking I'm gonna coin a phrase uh, called uh, 2020 moments. And really we could just use say 2020. I think for the rest of our lives, we're gonna be able to kind of use this term. Um, this year I had my hot water heaters uh, went out on me. So I had to replace those. Uh, I had an AC unit that went out uh, this summer. That was really fun. Uh, I got my fence replaced out of peer pressure from my neighbors. And so I felt like I was just like opening the window and just like money, who wants it? Just here you go, Wee! And I don't know, has anybody else had that feeling in 2020? Anybody's like, you know, it's just can't, can't, can't catch a break. And so I think we could just start saying like, oh, like if your kid like grows up and then they don't launch, like that failure to launch, we just say, oh, they're, they're, they're acting 2020. They, they were supposed to be here for a little while and then they just hung around longer. And so it's all kind of, you can say it for any, like, oh, they had a 2020 moment. Uh, so so this, this year I feel like I'm having some of those. And in, in recent weeks, I actually, I felt like I felt this to the fullest degree. Uh, Carrie and I got away for a riding uh, trip as she's preparing for our annual women's conference called Women's Retreat. Give it up, Sisterhood. Sisterhood is gonna be meeting this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning, and it's gonna be a life-changing experience. If you have not signed up, you still have time. And so, uh, as we were out there, um, I, I had just been having some weird things happening inside my body, and, um, I, we, we were coming back at our alma mater, uh, Henderson State. Anybody else? No. Uh, I've never met someone who graduated from my college. Um, so anyway, uh, Henderson State, Reddies. Reddies, R-E-D-D-I-E-S. It's a spirit. I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one. And so uh, she was going by the bookstore to pick us up a couple sweatshirts from our alma mater. And so I was going to fish at this lake that's nearby called Lake DeGray. And that's where my fishing passion in a bass boat was born. And I was like, babe, you can run into town, do some shopping. I'll just fish here for a little bit. And you know, then we'll be on our way because we were heading back to Texas on that particular day. So um, she was like, cool. And so we dropped the trailer and then, cause she wasn't gonna drag the boat trailer all around. And um, I was just kind of out there isolated. And this lake is not a populated lake, it's a core lake, so it doesn't have anything on it. And so I was out there and all of a sudden I had this, had this uh, let's just call it a twinge. It felt like a leprechaun grabbed my heart for just a split second, like a whoo. And I was like, oh, like, and I was like, that, that seems serious. And so I called my wife and if I ever call her and tell her I'm ready to leave the water, I'm probably dying. And so that's, that's what happened. And so uh, I took the boat back in and, and she was on her way out to me. She had a flat on the way out. So I'm sitting there dropping pins to Ben and Hollis, 
just in case they need to find my body. And um, I'm standing at this boat ramp, but I'm unable to leave because I don't have a car. And I'm in the worst predicament um, that you can imagine. And this little family, um, it looked like two grand, two sets of grands and, and some of the, their children and then a little baby. Um, they were getting off the water in this pontoon and they were the only people around, only people, because it's Monday. No one's on the water on Monday. And so they were, they were coming out and I was standing under a shade tree and I was talking with Ben. I was like, if I stop talking, call 911, just send them the waypoint. And so I'm sitting there and this, this, little, this little old lady comes up to me, so sweet. And she was like, um, are you okay? And I was like, I mean, I, I think I am. I think I am, but I had this thing. It was like a leprechaun and I didn't say that to her. <laughs> She's like, you just grabbed my heart for a second. And then she, she's like, well, I was a nurse. And how weird of environment are we in that, you know, it's like, you have to, she's like, well, if you don't mind, like, you know, I could, you know, check you out, you know, like check your pulse and stuff. Can I touch you? And I'm like, how weird a world do we live in now that a nurse is like, you know, she's like, just didn't want to offend me. And I'm like, by all means, by all means. And she's like, well, you have a strong pulse. So like, do you think I'm okay? She's like, well, like, this is kind of one of those ones where it's like better safe than sorry. And I was like, well, my wife had a flat and then apparently some Johnny jump up over here at Discount Tire put some lug nuts that fill at the heart, the tire store in Arkansas doesn't have the key. So he can't take my lug nuts off. He doesn't want to damage the lug nuts. I'm dying over here, Phil. Just rip the lug nuts off anyway. I digress. So I'm trying to be patient with my wife who is borderline in tears trying to get to me and can't. And I'm thinking about Uber into the hospital in Podunk, Arkansas, right? And uh, long story long, uh, this little old couple offered to take me to the hospital. <laughs> so I get in the car with mom and pop and uh, <laughs> they proceed to take a stranger in the midst of COVID crisis to the hospital and they drop me off because no one can go in and I get checked out by the docs. They give me the thumbs up. And so just to be sure, I went to the pulmonologist this week and then I went to the cardiologist. They both checked me out. Great. So Tuesday, um, after I went to the cardiologist, I was like, hey, turns out, you know, we're going to do some, you know, just be safe, be safe, you know, next week, do a stress test, blah, blah, blah. And so um, I, I heard, Tim, you're good. And so I called the guys up. I was like, we're going out to eat. We're going to celebrate. We're going to La Hacienda Ranch. Anybody else? La Hacienda Ranch? Yes. And so we get in the car, we load up and um, we're walking in. And does anybody notice how tall those stairs are? Has anybody noticed? They're abnormally tall stairs, I feel like, if we're being honest. And I was voice texting with my phone, literally, to some of our friends. They were asking how I was doing. I was like, fit as a fiddle. I literally was saying fit as a fiddle and my toe hung the first stair. But because of my cat-like quickness, I caught myself. But when I caught myself, I threw my back out. <laughs> I was like, 2020, I curse you. 2020 moments. Can anybody relate? Say amen. Anybody like, like I was celebrating one thing and I was distracted. And then because I was distracted, I stumbled. And when I stumbled, I got locked up. Does anybody hear the sermon coming? Is it, is it, do you think that it's a story just for fun? It never is. <laughs> it's a setup, okay? Man, I just want you to know that Sometimes you're going to feel like it's one thing after another and forever. I think we're just going to say it's not Murphy's Law anymore. It's 2020. 
I'm having a 2020 week. My kid's having a 2020 week. My wife, she's having a 2020 week. You know what I'm saying? And then all the guys will be like, yeah, bro, I got you. I got you. Let's go bowling. Anyway, <laughs> put the bumpers up. Anyway, um, so what I'm trying to say is, is that as we are going through 2020, sometimes it feels like we're celebrating one thing and another thing is waiting in the wings. A villain is waiting in the wings. And, and oftentimes whenever we stumble in life and, and sometimes we get locked up, I think that, that inevitably when we put it into the spiritual, emotional realm, there's gonna be regret. And today, as we look at Judas's life, I think we're gonna see regret. When we look at every disciple's life, I think we're going to find some regret. And so the question ultimately will be not be like, what, what will we ever have regret or should we live above regret? No, I think it's what do we do? What do we do with regret? How do we get over regret? Because regret in Judas's life is going to lead to the wrong place and it's totally preventable, totally possible to overcome that regret, but you gotta know. And so we're going to arm ourselves with the life of Judas and that's gonna help us, I believe, get to Jesus. And so without further ado, are you guys ready today? Oh, the table of truth, two tables that are going to lead us to God's truth. In John chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. This is, this is just six, six days before Jesus is going to be crucified, okay? It's to help you on the timeline. So this is toward the end. And he went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now there's several Lazaruses in the Bible, so they wanted to be clear. John, the writer, John, the one that Jesus loved, John, the closest disciple. He wanted to be clear that you knew which Jesus or which Lazarus this was. He said, whom Jesus raised from the dead. All right. Now that, that qualifies it because there's only one Lazarus, right? That got raised from the dead. Very important. We're going to put that in our pocket here. A dinner was given in Jesus's honor. I would suppose so, right? Like if you were thinking like, Hey, what reason do we have to celebrate Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. And Lazarus is like, I don't know. I, I, I was dead. And, and then I heard a voice, even though I was dead. And it was like, Lazarus. And he's like, <laughs> right? And that was amazing, right? And he called Lazarus out of the grave. And so I think we should have a dinner in his honor <laughs> because that's amazing, right? And so I think we should celebrate that God has raised us from the dead and the church said, oh yes, yes, we're already on fire. We're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. So just as an appetizer, just a little. Uh, and so, so as he's sitting there, it says that Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And just so you get the, the picture in your mind, they didn't sit at tables like we do. They would um, sit on the ground with pillows and the table was, was very low so that they could rest their elbow on the table and they were reclined. And so there they were reclining, you know, Jesus and Lazarus, Mary and Martha, um, M&M, as I like to call them. Uh, they were... Uh, Christian rappers in the New Testament. And so, uh, so Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. Now, when we say pure nard, I want you to know that if you took all the candles in your house that your wife likes to burn, and by the way, does anybody else have a wife that goes multi-scent? Anybody like, like they're making jambalaya with candle scents? Does anybody else 
Like, as I, I don't prefer that. Uh, my, my, my scent palette just wants, just stay on one course, right? That's, that's the way I am. Can I, can I get an amen from the brothers in the house? Like, I walk into one room, it's cinnamon, and then over here, it's like vanilla lavender, and like, it all mixes in there. And I'm like, no, I can't take it anymore. And so, I go, anyway, and so this nard was potent. I mean, potent. It would have been a fragrance that you walked in and you knew something had happened. Maybe something that shouldn't, like somebody broke a whole bottle. Like this scent fragrance filled the air. And I want you to know that this is something that in the Bible happens frequently. And it's actually a sign in the Old Testament, they would burn incense and those incense in the temple room were like prayers and the worship would rise up and that God would receive that fragrance of worship so that when you walked into the temple and this fragrance filled the air, you knew that God's presence was there in that room. And so that fragrance was a sign, a cue, that you knew that God was doing something in God, just like our worship, I promise you. And I want you to know, second service won today. Second service, like, we had about 50 fewer people and we had about 50% more volume and energy. I want you to know that the fragrance of God was in this room and our praise and worship rise up and then God joins in the midst of that moment and then we are moving toward life change. And so here, this woman breaks this perfume and she begins to anoint the feet of Jesus. Man, what a worship-filled moment. And then she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped it with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But then there was that guy, let's say his name again, one, two, three, Judas. And you're gonna hear how salty old John was. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him. <laughs> you ever, have you ever seen like maybe a catty woman on the side, like a lady walks in and like, you know, there's Karen. You know, she cheated, right? There's Karen. You know, she's a liar, don't you? She lied one time. Has anybody, has anybody ever had this moment? Like someone introduces them and then has the aside about who they think they are. Here is John and he's like, Judas the one that should later betray him. Oh, he had an opinion on the matter. Judas is experiencing the same thing everyone else is experiencing, but he has a different opinion. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Pause, leave it there. Doesn't, isn't this, I mean, this is noble. This is, this is a good moral message, a good moral message wrapped with a false motive. Man, well, just, just leave it there. Just leave it there. I mean, who is against the poor? Are you against helping the poor people? You heartless Grinch. Are you against helping poor people? You hate poor people, don't you? You don't want to help them. No one in here is against helping poor people. We see the dog commercial where this dog is like malnutrition and they're like, send a thousand dollars and we can feed this dog for a week. You know, and you're like, who's against that? 
Are you against pets being abused? Then give me your money right now. See, it's like whenever you wrap message in a shroud of, of morality, then it's, it's hard to argue against that because it sounds kind of righteous. It sounds kind of almost pious. And we're going to find it's, it really is kind of judging McJudgerson is what, what Judas is doing. And I'm going to tell you, there's one group of people that I have a prejudice against. And that is self-righteous Christian cape wearers who sit in judgment of everyone else. Does anybody else just want to punch these people in the face? Anybody else? Like, and I, I know you're saying, Pastor Tim, you shouldn't judge them. Guess what? Jesus did. And I am following in his footsteps. <laughs> like, you can't, like, you can't do that. You can't just sit around. I am pious about people being pious. That's what I am. That's what I am. Like whenever you see people that are self, it is one of the greatest curses to Christianity is people walking around in judgment and they wrap it in like a morality. They, they wrap it maybe even spiritual jargon and then they justify their actions. Whereas we're going to see, we're going to have to, to contrapose those, those statements and those actions and we're going to have to put them up against the statements of Jesus. But here is Judas giving us an example. Man, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't feel right about it. And so he's saying, oh, we could have given it to the poor. We could have, we could have saved money. He did not say this. Oh, here comes John. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Oh, oh, another side of the story emerges. When we're sitting at the table of truth, we'll learn a lot of things. I say that time always tells the truth. If you wait long enough, time will always tell the truth. You want to know who's right and wrong? Time will always tell the truth. One day when we stand before God, time will tell the truth for all of eternity. Here was Judas sitting at this table and he is in opposition to Jesus himself. And so whenever we have a good moral message wrapped in or, or hidden in uh, veiled in a false motive, that's a, that's a formidable foe to try to take down, try to figure out. And so how do I do that? And so I think that you have to always look at context, context of the moment, context of the situation, context of the past to interpret the present and contextually, it will always help us clarify whenever there's confusion between two opinions, three opinions, sides. And I know that a lot of people are trying to figure out which side to be on in 2020. <laughs> I'm gonna preach on that in a couple of weeks, I think. Not today, I don't have time. But um, if you're thinking that the 2020 end in November is going to solve any of America's problems, I have news for you, you are incorrect. And so anyway, um, so I can't, don't let me get distracted. Don't let me do it, okay? So here was Judas and we have to compare and contrast the two sides, almost like a court trial. Let's put the defendant on the stand, Judas. What is he doing? He's judging, he's judging. He is saying, 
that this woman, Mary, who poured this expensive gift out, who invested her very best in Jesus, was somehow wrong in what she did. So that's Judas's case. And he's saying, even though we know it's because he has an ulterior motive to steal, he's saying it's because we could have, we could have made some money or we could have put some, we could have improved our bottom line if we would have just done the right thing. So somehow investing in Jesus is the wrong thing. Are you hearing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, like would someone ever mock investing in Jesus? Would, would someone ever be against investing in Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it to you, and this is a straw man, it's, it's tough, but I think it, it proves the point. If you took all the money you have and all the things that you own and added them all together, would you say that it's pretty close, the value of your stuff to Jesus? Would you say? Would you say that Jesus is worth more than all that you possess? All right, all right, all right. Man, if you have not answered that question in your life and then lived it out, man, I'm gonna challenge you today that Jesus has to be worth more than all of our stuff, that our decisions can't be based on a bottom line. It has to be based on what does Jesus want? And worshiping him and investing in his cause should be above everything else. He's given you time, talent, treasure, Gifts, use them wisely. On one side, we have Judas judging and his judgment is that Jesus is unworthy. Even though we know he's wrapped in an ulterior motive, but for the sake of debate, we'll take him at face value. Judas wants to save money. He sees this as waste. On the other side, we have Jesus. <laughs> now, if we're putting Jesus up against Judas or Jesus up against anyone, we would say, because we have hindsight, we'll obviously go with Jesus, right? You don't want to go against Jesus. But if we just say, well, let's lay the facts on the table. Well, Jesus obviously had already raised up the people that couldn't walk and he had cured incurable diseases. He had caused blind people to see. And then all we have to do is look around the table. Like, who was sitting at the table? Lazarus. Look, if, if you contextually are trying to decide between Judas and Jesus and you look, you just like do a casual glance around your table and you see a guy that was dead for four days. So dead, in fact, his sister said, Jesus, you don't want to go in there. Like if you, you ever walked into a room and something happened, like you don't want to go in there. Like, and this, it smelled bad. It smelled bad, like don't roll that stone back. It's, it, it's not good, he's dead dead. Like dead so dead, he's stinking dead, okay? And Jesus raised him from the dead. Judge, who do we have? We got Judas on one side who's never done anything but stole some money and finds this woman in contempt because she invested the very best she had in Jesus who has already demonstrated he has power to even raise the dead from life. And on the other hand, we have Jesus, the only prophet in history that raised a man from the dead who had been dead for four days. Which one should we go with, Judas or Jesus this morning? What, what say you? Jesus. Go with Jesus. If you're ever confused between two opinions, I say, go with Jesus. If you're ever trying to decide like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. This person makes a pretty good argument. Is it Jesus? 
Is it what Jesus said? Is it what Jesus would do? It's amazing that when I take Jesus at his word and do what Jesus did, it'll clear up. It'll clear up all that confusion right quick, right quick. How about love others? Just like Jesus loved you. How about that? How about put down the stones and quit throwing them at people that don't agree with you or have a different sign in their yard? How about that? How about that? Just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Judas or Jesus? Whenever I see Judas interacting, we come to the next table and it's the Lord's Supper. We're going to find a fascinating interaction at that table of truth. It says in John chapter 13, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. This is the night he's going to be betrayed. Okay. Feel the setting. Jesus was troubled in his spirit and he testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. See, we want to take Judas and compartmentalize him, categorize him and put him in this box where we say monster. And, and we say to ourselves, oh, if we would have been there, Inspector Caluso and Elliot Ness or, or Ace Ventura Pet Detective, you, you would have clearly known. You would have been like, it's Judas. It's Judas, everybody. <laughs> like, as soon as Jesus said it, it's like, Judas. But do you know what they said? They're like, we don't know. Do you know why they didn't know? It seems like they might've all had the capacity to be Judas, almost like Judas was inside all of them. Almost like we all have to wrestle with Judas. That if you ever think that you are above a Judas moment, boy, you are not, you are not. You got a Judas and a Jesus wrestling inside of you. You ever felt that? Whew. So here he is. His disciples stared at one another and they were at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple who loved Jesus, whom Jesus loved, that's how John called himself. <laughs> I like that. He's like, I'm not gonna drop any names, but the one that Jesus loved, that's me. And so <laughs> he was reclining next to him. So here's John the beloved leaning on Jesus. And Simon Peter, big mouth Peter, always, he can't, he can't resist, right? He never can resist. He says, he motioned to this disciple, like, hey, John, hey, John, ask him, ask him. Who is it? Who, who is it? Now, Peter just hours ago, <laughs> had been told that he was going to betray Jesus before the end of the night or deny Jesus before the end of the night. And so he just got his teeth kicked in. So he's like, I'm not asking another question. I'm, not, I'm out. I am out. John, <laughs> ask him, please don't make me do it. And so here is John and he asked him who it is says, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? 
And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. To me, it's ranch, but probably olive oil, okay? And he's like, when I dip this, whoever I give it to, that's the guy. Then dipping the piece in the bread, cinematic, right? He's like, he's looking around the table. Hey, Judas, here you go. You want it, Bob? Why not? You don't want to be Judas, do you? No, nobody wants to be Judas. How crazy is this? Does anybody else ever read the Bible like this? Like, it wasn't like he didn't know what he was doing. He'd already made a deal with those people I punch in the face, the pious Pharisees. And he was looking for the opportunity and now here it is and Jesus calls it. Whoever I dip this piece of bread in and give it to, that's the one that's going to betray me. And then he leans over to Judas. Whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. It's like all of us are like, if I was Judas, it's like, dang. And I probably don't mean dang. I mean, <laughs> like he knew, he knows, he knows, but I'm still gonna go do it. Oh gosh, we're gonna to get to it in just a moment, but I just want you to hear this. You have a choice. You have a choice. There's no enemy, the ground, there's no ground the enemy can take unless you give it. He gave, gosh, Judas don't do it. Judas don't do it. As I was reading the story though, I noticed something. Peter said, ask him. John was on one side and Judas was on the other because Jesus hands it to Judas. Oh man, both were so close and the villain was blending in. So much so that no one else knew who it was. Sometimes you're gonna have a John on one side and a Judas on the other and you're not gonna know which one it is. But what tells the truth? Time. Oh, time is going to eventually tell the truth. What's the difference between John and Judas? You say, well, it's Judas. Judas was a rat. Judas was a thief. What if I told you that they all are going to end in regret? What if I told you that the Bible says that when the shepherd is struck, that the sheep will scatter? What if I told you that Peter denied three times, that no disciple stood with Jesus as he was tried and no one offered himself on behalf of Jesus? Thomas doubted after the resurrection had already happened and said, lest I touch him, then I won't believe. We don't even know what the other disciples did, but we know this, they all didn't see what Jesus was and didn't see and didn't believe what he was going to do. And so they all were filled with regret. Judas had regret. 
regret and John had regret. It's not a matter of if you'll have regret, it's what do you do now with that regret? Will it control you for the rest of your life? Will you say, because I did this over here, now I gotta make every decision in light of that decision because I made a mistake, I missed some games when they were four and five, so now I'm gonna make every game because you're trying to make up for something, that regret is controlling you. And what if I told you that's a prison? That's a prison. Your parents did X and they didn't make it. And so now you're living in regret of your childhood and for all your life, you're trying to make up for what you missed. Trying to make your kids into what you weren't. All based on regret. You can't let regret control you. Man, Judas had every opportunity to repent. But he didn't run toward repentance, did he? He didn't run toward redemption, did he? He didn't run to restoration, did he? No, he, he internalized his regret. Oh, he tried to undo it, didn't he? He went back and he, he gave the money back. You remember that, sir? He gave that money back, didn't he? Yeah. He spent the rest of his life, however brief it was, a couple of hours, he spent the rest of his life trying to undo what he did. Anyone in here trying to undo something you did? Unless you have a DeLorean that goes 88 miles an hour, all right? You can't undo what you've done. You could spend the rest of your life trying to undo what has been done, waste your life, and it's only going to lead to a darker and darker place. And he could have ran to the right place, but he ran to the wrong place. He ran inward and that weight of regret led him out and he took his life. He knew he was wrong, but he had too much pride to go to the place that could have made it right. John ran to the right place. Peter ran to the right place. Thomas ran to the right, they all had regret. 11 out of 12 got over it because they ran to the right place. You wanna know how to get away from the regret haunts you? You wanna know how to get out of the prison that holds you? Man, you gotta to run to the right place. The Israelites made so many mistakes, didn't they? It was like they were perpetually stumbling and getting locked up and then having regret. And after they had been set free from the Red Sea, they stumbled at the first sign of giants. And then when Moses went up to talk with God, they built a golden calf and were worshiping the gods of their past, even though God had led them to the promise of the present. Now, I'm not gonna preach that sermon, but I'm gonna tell you how it ends. Because I told you that you have a choice. Judas had a choice. Judas had a choice. They all had a choice. God said, Deuteronomy chapter 30, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your 
life. And he will give you many years in the land swore, he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Man, run to the light. Run to the right place. If you would run to the right place, he would take that regret off of your shoulders and you wouldn't have to define yourself by your worst mistake for the rest of your life. We could take that that weight off of us and we could say, God, this is yours. And he says, I will gladly, gladly do it. He said, here's the choice though. Here's the choice. It's your choice. Your choice. I can't make it for you. Which one do you want today? You want life or do you want death? You want blessing or you want cursing? It's not up to him. The choice is yours. Judas, or Jesus. I hope today I've made my case. Let's pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for any person carrying regret today that they would run to the right place. For any person that's, dis- that's dwelling in dark places and, and they are spiraling toward a regret that they can't recover from. God, I pray in this moment that you would put before them life and death and that they would choose life, God. I pray for every marriage that is struggling in here this morning, God, that they would choose life. I pray for every person that's struggling in their finances, that they would say, it's not about the bottom line, it's about Jesus. And if they would get their finances under the umbrella of Jesus, it would work. God, I pray for every person that's struggling in friendships and relationships, and they feel like they've been cast aside, God, that they would realize that if they would run to the light, that there's always a friend waiting in Jesus, and that Jesus will always lead us to others so that we have encouragement and we have community. We are not alone. Lord, give us strength this morning to humble ourselves and run to the right place. Would you guys stand and let's lift our worship. Let's fill this room with the fragrance of the sacrifices of our hearts and our lips.